Turn your Bibles, this is our text, but turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1, and when you get there, go ahead and stand. 1 Timothy chapter 1, and look at verse 19. Word of God declares, Holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Read it one more time. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having not having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. While you stand in, let's go to our text. Go to Mark chapter six. Mark chapter six. Boy, I love hearing those pages turned. No, that's, that's good. That's real good. That's good exercise. Amen. Verse 14, and King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad. And he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Others said that it's Elias. Or Elijah. And others said that it is a prophet or is one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. For for Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It's not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and holy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. And when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. And he sware unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee under the half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king and asked, saying, I will that thou gave, uh, excuse me, give me by and by in a charger or a plate, the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorry, yet for his oath's sake and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought, and he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head in a charger, 
and gave it to the damsel. And the damsel gave it to her mother. And verse 29 says, And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to open the book of life and share your word. Lord, I just ask that you just break the bread of life before us this morning. And that, Lord, you'll open our ears and our eyes to your truth. I ask, Heavenly Father, that you please just give me the words to say that I might stand before your people and share the Holy Word of God with all sincerity. Lord, I just pray I'll speak in boldness for you. Lord, if there's one amongst us today that doesn't know you, our prayer is that before the service is over, Lord, when the invitation is given, your Holy Spirit will have dealt with their hearts and will bring them to this altar before it's everlasting too late. Again, bless this service. May everything said and done glorify you. And Lord, you've heard the prayer requests. We just lay them before you and ask that your will be done. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. In our text here, we have death of a man of God. John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was sent here with a special mission. That mission was to be a forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was to prepare the way for the Messiah to come. He was to get the people, get their minds on the Messiah is coming. But that wasn't all he did. You see, he was literally the last prophet of the Old Testament. And he was the last prophet that died a martyr in the Old Testament. But he was also the first prophet to die in the New Testament. He was a man of God that stood for the word of God, lived for the Lord, and Jesus gave him the greatest compliment you could ever be given when he said, there's not a man born of women any greater than John the Baptist. Think about that. What a testimony. I sure would like to have that said about me, amen. Instead of, boy, he's just an old country biscuit up there behind the pulpit. But you know, we read here in our text about the death of a great servant of God. But I also hope that you've seen as we've read through the text that it wasn't only his physical death that Mark has written down for us. But there was another death that day. And that was the death of Herod Antipas. Amen? Herod. You say, well, he didn't die. Oh, his conscience died. Remember I told you to turn to 1 Timothy 1.19 and it talks about the good conscience and those that don't have a good conscience, what happens? Leads to shipwreck. Let's talk about the conscience for a second before we get into the message. A lot of people do not understand the conscience. I'm thankful we have a conscience. God gave us the conscience. But understand, the conscience is only good for us when it comes to the truth of God's word. 
You say, well, what do you mean? Well, I mean this. If I was brought up to believe that this is God's holy word, it is God's truth, therefore it is my standard, so when I am approached by sin, because of my conscience standing for the truth of what I believe to be the word of God, if I'm approached with sin, it says stop, don't go any further, don't do that. That's a good conscience. But if I'm raised, Brother Shiro, where I don't go to church, don't know God, don't know his word, and that all I know of my standard is live any way I want to, do whatever I want to, if it feels good, do it, then you know what? My conscience isn't going to help me. In fact, my conscience is not even going to get in the way. Why do you think people are able to do the cruel, wicked, evil things that they do today? Who would ever think about having a baby and tossing it in a garbage can? That person is lost, that's for sure. That person is depraved, that's for sure. But that person doesn't have a conscience. That's why they're able to do it. That's why you see all this stuff today. The world is full of people that don't have a good conscience. And because of it, their lives are literally shipwrecked. Here's a man, Herod Antipas. He was the son of Herod the Great. Y'all know who Herod the Great was, right? He was the one after the Messiah came that declared that all the male children born two years and under were to be slaughtered in Jerusalem. That was his dad. His dad was a wicked, wicked man. The acorn didn't fall far from the tree. He also had a couple brothers. In fact, he had several sisters. His Herod the Great had five wives. Can you imagine five wives? Good night. It's hard to handle one wife. How do you? I don't get it. But he had children by those five wives, and he had three sons. One of those sons, he murdered his own flesh and blood because he was jealous. He was afraid he was going to take the kingdom. That's Herod the Great. But he had two sons, Herod Philip and Antipas. And the thing about this is Herod, Antipas, and his wife went to Rome because he was, Herod Philip was disinherited by his father. So he took Herodias, his wife, and they moved to Rome. So Herod and his wife, and I can't pronounce her name, I'm not even going to try, but she was the daughter of a king of Arabia. So they go to visit the brother in Rome, and while they're there, I guess he fell in love. Okay? She was Herodias. Y'all get this, was the niece of Antipas and Philip. The niece. He married, Philip married his niece. But then she had an affair with Herod Antipas. And they left their spouses and married. Talking about a crazy family tree. 
I thought I was the only one that had a crazy family tree. Outlaws and in-laws, amen? But understand something this morning. That's who we're dealing with. So we're going to skip verses. Go back to our text. I'm going to try to teach you a few things this morning if the Lord will allow me, which I know he will because he wants us to know his word. Amen? We're going to skip verses 14, 15, and 16, but listen to me. We will come back to them. Okay? You're going to get your money's worth this morning. Look at verse 17. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Now understand, John, the Baptist, the prophet of God, was cast into prison by Herod because he preached against his adulterous relationship. He preached the word of God against the law of God. Herod had committed adultery. And I'll go ahead and say it. Incest because she was related to him as a niece. That was his brother Philip's wife. Sick, isn't it? Understand. He preached God's word. And because of it, he was cast into prison. Beloved, let me tell you, today as a preacher, we might as well, you've heard me say it before, we might as well get ready. If we stand for the truth of God's word, believe me, persecution is going to come down the pike. We have a liberal Congress today that if we preachers preach about homosexuality and lesbianism it is hate speech and they want to throw the key away with us they want us to shut up well beloved mark it down the time is coming you'll know who's God called and who isn't amen because there will be preachers out there as soon as they see those blue lights pull into the parking lot, they're going to clam up like a clam. And there will be a few that will see those blue lights and walk out the door and say, go ahead, take me. Because you're not going to shut me up. Understand, John is just preaching the gospel. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure Herod didn't like hearing what he heard. He was confronted with his sin. And because of it, he said, well, I'll just shut him up. I'll put him in prison. And the thing is, his little old wife, that wasn't good enough for her. Oh, no, 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 no. I want him dead. You see, preachers today, listen to me. When God lays a message on a preacher's heart, he is there to proclaim the message. Don't get mad at him if it gets a little too close to home. Amen. 
Don't get mad at him. Don't blame the messenger. You got a problem. Take it up with God. You see, God has sent the message to deal with our hearts. If we have sin in our life, he wants you to hear it's wrong and he wants you to do something about it by confessing your sin and turning away from it and repenting. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from some unrighteousness. No, all of our unrighteousness. But we have to confess it and then Turn away from it. Now, again, notice what it says. Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It's not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you something about John the Baptist. That old Baptist was bold, Brother Ciro. But you know why he was bold? Because he represented the Lord Jesus Christ. He wasn't afraid. Think about that for a second. Oh, I pray that God calls still, he delays his coming, many bold men of God that will stand and preach the whole counsel of God. Now, therefore, verse 19, therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. Nope. Old Herod kept him in prison. The main reason he stayed in prison was to keep her from hiring someone to take him out. Because she would have killed him. It would have been right then. By the way, eventually she got her way, didn't she? For Herod, notice, for Herod what? Feared John, knowing that he was a just and a holy, was just and holy and observed him when he had heard him. Now think about this for a second. First of all, here's John in prison. And here comes Antipas. And the Bible says he would come down to the cell and he would watch John because John would still preach to him. And he knew he was just. He knew he was holy. And look at this next part. And when he had heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. You see, John would preach the word of God and the word of God would speak to Herod's heart. But understand, Herod wasn't going to give up his sin. He might do many things. In fact, didn't the Bible just tell us he did many things? I'm sure with the preaching of John's word, maybe he got rid. He tried to straighten up just a little bit. But the thing is, sin and his love for it held him in captivity. 
He did many things, but the one thing that he needed to do and wouldn't do is let her go and trust Christ. And beloved, there's a lesson for us here. Listen, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're sinners. We fell the Lord every single day. But listen to me. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit convicts our hearts every time we sin. But if we turn our heads and we turn our hearts away from the Word, the truth, and the Spirit, what happens is our heart becomes harder and harder and our conscience begins to die day after day after day. And that's what happened to Herod. Think about that for a second. That's why when God starts dealing with you about something, especially concerning salvation, don't say no. Because if you do, it's going to be easier the next time and the next time. And then God might just decide, you know what? I'm done. I'm just going to turn you over to a reprobate mind. Oh, my Lord. Thank God he didn't turn me over to a reprobate mind. Because when he turns you over to a reprobate mind, that means he's done dealing with you. It's over. You couldn't be saved if you wanted to be. It's over. He's tired of dealing with you. The word of God says my spirit will not always strive with man. By the way, that's his prerogative. He has every right. To some, he might deal with a million times in a lifetime. I think I was pretty close to that. Others, he might deal with you one time. You might have one opportunity. You said no, and he said, okay. Don't find yourself in Herod's predicament. Notice what it says. And when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper for his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod, and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it to thee. Okay, basically, Herod, it was his birthday. They had a big bash. Okay? It was a drunken bash. All of those that he was over come to celebrate his birthday. And Salome, the daughter of Herodias, danced before all of those men in Herod. And understand, this was a provocative, sensual, dance she's young she's pretty and she's out there dancing my only question was what kind of mother would want her daughter to do something like that but don't be surprised there's mothers and fathers out there that will use their children amen for this right here isn't that a shame but it's the truth I read the other day where a woman was at Walmart and she's trying on clothes 
And you know those change rooms, you know, they have those doors, but the doors are like this. Anyways, the woman came out, and she asked the lady at Walmart, she goes, does this fit me okay? I want your opinion. From another woman to a woman. And while she was doing that, this mother took her little four-year-old child and said, you go in there and get rid of her purse. Come out. Isn't that evil? Isn't that wicked? That's how depraved sinners are. They use their children. You say, oh, that's terrible. That's sinful. That's evil. That's wicked. And that's using your child. Amen. Well, this is what happened. Herodias used her daughter to dance in front of all of these men. And all these men, oh, they went crazy over this. And King Herod was so happy and so pleased. He says, whatever you want up to half of my kingdom, you can have it. Well, he should have thought a little bit. But remember, he was drunk, wasn't he? There's a few lessons here for us. Let me begin with this verse teaches us that alcohol or any drugs can make you let down your inhibitions. Amen? Uh, If anybody knows about alcohol, I do. And it will let down your inhibitions. Therefore, kids... Stay away from drugs. Stay away from alcohol. Don't even look at it. And I'll go ahead and say it. If your friends say, oh, you've got to try this. Everybody else is doing it. You tell them, no, I'm a child of God and I will not do that against my Lord. You take a stand. Well, everybody's doing it. And I know kids... I know how they are. They'll tell you, well, everybody's doing it. Why can't you be bold and say, because? And by the way, I'll give you this and I won't charge you. Not everybody's doing it if you don't do it. Amen? Think about that. Let that sink in. Not everybody's doing it if you're not. Secondly, the lesson is, Just as I said a moment ago, watch what you say. James deals with the tongue. What you say can bring harm to you and others. Amen? Think about that for a second. Right. That's right, sweetie. We have to be. Understand, those are good lessons. But you kids don't give in to peer pressure. Never seen anything like it today. Our kids, it ain't like when I went to school. I mean, we had some peer pressure, but not like this, you know. Uh, Our kids are being bombarded. The home is what Satan is attacking. And he's trying to blind the minds of our kids into thinking 
that society is right and what they've been taught at home and at church is wrong. They just don't want you to have any fun. They're old fuddy-duddies. I am a fuddy-duddy. And I'll go ahead and tell you, the old ways is the best ways. There's nothing new under the sun. Listen, there was homosexuals and lesbians back then. That's right, sister. He destroyed a couple cities. That's what God thinks about that lifestyle. Now listen to me. You're going to say, oh, Brother John, you just don't like homosexuals and lesbians. That's not true. Listen, God created them. They're made out of his image. God loves them. Jesus died for them. And I love them in Christ. And I love them enough to share the truth with them. And I love them enough to tell them if they forsake God and go against his word, the truth, that they will stand in judgment before him. And we know what that judgment is, don't we? I'm going to be honest with them. If we had some come to church, I would welcome them in the house of God. And I would love them in Christ, but I'm not going to be buddies. What's light got to do with darkness? It's my responsibility to share the light. But that's all God requires of me. Amen? Boy, it's quiet in here. What's wrong? When the daughter, Herodias of the said, came in and danced and pleased Herod, and them that sat with him, the king, said unto the damsel, Ask me whatsoever thou wilt, and I'll give it to thee. And he sware unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee upon half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask, Mom? <laughs> Here the trap is sprung. Ask for the head of John the Baptist. And notice, and she came in straightway and with haste under the king. And asked saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. As soon as she left mama, she ran over to the king and said, I want the head of John the Baptist. The Baptist, I don't want it in an hour. I want it right now. She made haste. Mm. Think about that for a second. And notice what happened. Verse 26. And the king, speaking of Herod, was exceeding sorry. Yet for his oath's sake, And for their sakes, which sat with him, he would not reject her. See, what Herod should have done, should have said, I said half a kingdom, not a murder. But no, because of those that sat with him, those that were around him, the peer pressure, the crowd, He didn't do that, did he? No. What he did instead was this. And immediately the king sent an executioner 
and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head in a charger or platter, if you will, plate, and gave it to the damsel. And who did the damsel give it to? Salome gave it to her mother. Oh, I bet she was so happy. So happy there's a head on a platter. And then, of course, verse 29 ends with his disciples. When they heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Now, as I told you moments ago when I started, let's go now to the first part of the text. And King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad. Of course, we're talking about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord and Master. Amen? And he said, this is Herod, that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Now when Herod heard the word spread about Jesus and the miracles he performed, Herod literally thought that John the Baptist had come back from the dead. Now think about this for a second. Literally, he believed in the resurrection. Think about that for a second. You see, there's lots of folks out there that believe certain doctrines, lost as they can be, but they believe because they've heard them taught and they've heard it preached. But understand, John the Baptist never did one miracle. Not one. But in Herod's eyes, John the Baptist has risen from the dead. And he's come back and he's going to haunt me. That's what he thought. And notice what others said. And others said that it's Elijah. And others said that it's a prophet or one of the prophets. But look at verse 16. But when Herod heard thereof, He said, it's John whom I beheaded. And look at that word I. That is a personal pronoun. That means I, I alone beheaded John. He says, he's risen from the dead. You see... Herod is really starting to feel guilty. And by the way, aren't you thankful for guilt? Because guilt, believe it or not, it don't feel good. Can't run from it, can't hide from it. But what you can do is fall at the feet of Jesus and plead for mercy. And he will forgive you. And he will deliver you from the guilt. And he wants to do that. Here's Herod. I, I alone, I did it. I beheaded him. And the guilt he was dealing with. 
Now, if that was the end of the story, that would be great. I've, I've learned enough to know I don't want to be in his condition. He heard the word of God. He had a decision to make, and he made the wrong decision. He just thought, you know what? Whatever. I'm going to stay in my sin. I'm going to enjoy my life the way it is. But he's not the only one or the first or the last that will ever have that same mindset. There's people in the world today that have that mindset right now. It's my life. I only got one life. I'm going to live it the way I want to. And that's going to be it. Well, that's what's sad and that's what's wrong. Because it's not the end. You see, we are accountable to a judge and our maker who put us here. And we will one day stand before him, Brother Ciro, and we will give an account of how we lived. And as I said, the only thing that's going to matter when you stand before him is what did you do with Jesus? Did you receive him or did you reject him? The only thing. Now turn your Bibles over, book of Luke chapter 23. And this is the last mention of Herod Antipas. Jesus is arrested. He goes before Pilate, doesn't he? And Pilate, because Jesus was from Galilee and it wasn't in his area, sent him to Herod. Look at verse 6. And when Pilate heard of Galilee, heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man was, were a Galilean. We're talking about Jesus. And as soon as he knew that he belonged under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad. You say, oh, he's ready to hear the Lord. No, no. He wasn't exceedingly glad that Jesus was going to preach to him. No, no. He wanted to see Jesus perform miracles. For he was desirous to see him of a long season because he had heard about Christ. Because he had heard many things of him and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Now let me just say before I move on. God sent John the Baptist the first time. He shared the word of God with Herod. Now the father sends his only begotten son before him. So that he would open his heart. And accept him. But did he? No. How do I know? This is what the word says. Then he questioned him. Then he questioned with him in many words. But I want you to look at the last part of verse 9. But he answered him nothing. Understand what I'm fixing to say because this is important. 
sent John the Baptist, sent Jesus himself. God manifested in the flesh himself. And he asked him many, many questions. It wasn't concerning his heart. It wasn't concerning his salvation. He asked him many questions. But the Bible says that Jesus didn't respond with one word. You know why? Because at that very moment, God left him over to a reprobate mind. He never more would ever receive an opportunity to be saved. His conscience died that very day. Think about that for a second. He answered him word. Folks, the Holy Spirit will convict us. As a lost person, he'll deal with our hearts. He'll speak words of truth to our conscience and our hearts. And we have choice to make. Receive them and do something about it or reject them and do nothing. And that's exactly what Herod did. He rejected his conscience. He rejected truth. And sadly, he rejected the Savior. Now, understand. Believe me. Herod died a lost man. And he bust hell wide open. Understand, if he could hear John the Baptist one more time, I guarantee you, he would accept. But beloved, it's too late. When you die, it's over. No opportunities. There's no such thing as purgatory. You either wake up in his presence or you... Wake up in hell separated from him. That's it. That's pretty plain. But that's the truth. If you don't know Jesus and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart over some sin, and especially salvation, or maybe he's speaking with your heart to do something for him, and you've yet to surrender to do it, do it while the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. The Bible says today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Today. Notice he says, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. But there's coming a day when there will be no more opportunity. That door will be closed shut. It will be too late. Notice. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod with his men of war set him at naught. And what did they do? They mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. And look at verse 12 and I'll hush. And the same day, Pilate and Herod 
were made friends together. For before they were at enmity between themselves. But oh, they become good buddies. Satan got his way. Satan is still getting his way today. See, Satan is telling you, hey, it's okay. Live your life. You only have one. Live your life. And the sad thing is, he is selling you a bill of goods listen I didn't start living till I come to Jesus oh I thought I was living but I was dead in sins and trespasses understand understand the more you say no the harder your heart becomes and the deader your conscience One other thing, I promise, I'll shut. There's some that would say, well, didn't he get right? I mean, he admitted he and he alone killed John the Baptist. No. How do I know? Because there's a difference in confessing a deed and repenting of that deed. Lots of folks, I've seen it in my ministry 35 years, walk the aisle and they come to the altar and they say, I got saved because I asked the Lord to forgive me for that one thing I did. I made it right. I told the Lord I did that. Oh, no more guilt. I feel better. And down the aisle they go thinking they're saved because they made a confession. Now listen to me. Yes, we have to confess our sins. We have to confess, yes, I'm a sinner. And no, you're not going to confess everything because you know what? As we grow older, we forget half the stuff, don't we? Yes, we do. Any of you old timers agree with me? I'm calling you old timers. I'm one of you. Hush. But we forget, don't we? But we confess our sins. But that's not all of it. We must repent before we can have salvation. You can confess your guilt all day long. But just because you confess your guilt, that doesn't mean you're saved until you repent. It takes both. I'm a sinner. Lord, you know what I've done. You've seen me. You made me. Then you have to repent and turn from that sinful way of life. And the moment you do that, you can obtain salvation. In close, don't let your conscience die. I'm thankful for the conscience. It keeps me straight because it only leads me in truth. Now, if I choose not to listen to the truth, 
I can do what I want. But listen to me. If you're saved, you don't belong to yourself. And the Holy Spirit's going to say, uh-uh. And the Lord's going to whip your tail. Just like we correct our children, he does the same thing with his. He will whip you. And if you still don't straighten up and fly straight, he can take you home. There is a death that seemeth right unto man. But I don't dare ask for it. Don't pray for it. So, Herod died. His conscience that day died with John the Baptist. He said no. The Bible even proves that because when Jesus appeared before him and Herod asked him all of these questions, no telling what he asked. He wanted to see Jesus perform like a circus animal, I guess. Jesus didn't say a word. There's your proof that God's spirit will not always strive with you. God was done with Herod. And he died a lost man. Don't let that be you. When Jesus speaks to your heart through the Holy Spirit, obey his voice. Amen.